Hi there, my name's Adam Parr. I'm the podcast host, the Parr City Podcast. In this podcast, you'll be listening to me connect with people from different walks of life, from the military to people in the music industry to people in the self-help industry and many other areas of life. In this podcast, I'll be talking about topics from self-help, mental health, motivation, spirituality, mindset, society, current affairs, and much, much more. If you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe, share, and let me know your feedback. My main intention on this podcast is to have a positive impact. For you, the the listener, to take something positive from it, to apply something positive into your life from this. Now, with without further ado, let's get into this podcast and enjoy. Hi, and welcome to the Positive Podcast. On this episode, I'm joined by Stephen Andert. On this episode, we talk about technology, hackers, ransomware, Stephen's new book, and much more. Now, sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode. Hi, Stephen. I can't hear you. I can see the picture. Can't see any video or hear any audio at the moment. Hi, you. I can see your video. I can't hear the audio. I have to uh, okay. enable it. Oh, there we go. I can hear you now. All right. Well, good morning for me. Good afternoon for you. Right? Yeah. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> how How are you doing? I'm doing excellent. How about yourself? How's life over good. there on that good. side of the pond? Yeah, I'm good. Thank you. Um, yeah, it's it's uh, kind of getting back to normal ish a little bit. It's kind of easing the kind of like lockdown, so to speak. Um, that, that kind of all kind of starts happening uh, July the 4th. They're opening like pubs and restaurants um, and kind of, I think they're reducing like the social distancing. We've got a thing called social distancing, um, which is meant to be like two meters apart. I think they're shrinking that down to one meter apart. So um, it's gradually, gradually kind of, you know, easing a little bit, but we'll see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Here it's uh we here I, I live in Arizona and and we've opened up uh fairly significantly uh back up and the restaurants are open but uh social distancing and there's no real clear guidelines that I've seen 
other than reducing the, the number of people in a restaurant at any given time. So they've, uh, most restaurants have alternated tables or they've taken half their tables out and things like that. Yeah. All the, the servers and wait staff uh, are, all, are all wearing masks. Uh, some, some restaurants even require you to wear a mask to get to and from your table. Um, then once you're seated, oh, wow. at, seated at your table, you can take your mask off to eat. Wow. Gosh, it's, um, it's very different, isn't it? I mean, if somebody would have said to you like a couple of years ago, oh, by the way, this is going to happen. You'd be like, what? <laughs> <laughs> uh, write that down. That's good fiction. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or, or if, if I, yeah, I've been in the IT world for long enough that working from home has been part of my, my normal. Um, but if you would have told me that everybody would be working from home or the vast majority of people would be working from home, I'd say, mm. oh, no, there's too many corporate cultures that aren't ready for that. Yeah. And, and yet they did it. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. I mean, but I, I think that a lot of people have got used to this way of living or they quite like it. And I think a lot of people might be finding that they don't want to go back to that job. They'd rather work at home. Or they might have found something that they enjoy doing at home. Yep. Yeah, that's one of the things I've always enjoyed about being able to work from home is I can take care of little things around the house in between a conference call where it, when you're in the office, that time is, is consumed by uh, water cooler talk and you know, walking to the coffee machine or going downstairs to the break or to the coffee uh, shop and yeah, buying yeah. a coffee and a donut. Now you, you, you haven't, didn't have that option for a long time. And so it's just a matter of, I mean, when I work at home, I, you know, start a load of laundry, you know, water the, water the lawn, check on the hot tub, you know, things like that, just yeah, taking yeah. care of things. So. So it kind of has its perks, so you can kind of give a bit of TLC to the things that need it and then do what you've got to do. Exactly. And still get more work done than you would do, you would get done if you were in the office because you'd be spending time. You know, the, the only catch is that if I'm, I'm an introvert, so for me, working at home is great because then when I'm not on a call, I can just take care, be, be by myself. Mm. But it's a, it's a career risk because if you don't network, uh, and that's a valuable part. The water cooler talk and the coffee breaks with the uh, coworkers is important for careers. Mm, um, mm. People, people won't think of you, you know, like once I was uh, uh, working in, in the office at the time, most of the time, uh, and there was two departments and they didn't work. To, when I started there, they didn't work together very well. Uh, mm. They just, there was, you know, an email with demands for, you know, one was serv serving the other one here, here's what I need. Mm -hmm. um, and it was just a, a push and shove. And I, when I started, I took a different approach and um, made friends with some of the people. And one day, one day I was having lunch with, uh, it was actually a Friday, having lunch with uh, one of the guys from the other, the other team. And I said, so what are you doing this weekend? He said, well, I'm working on this. And I said, oh, because I'm doing this, which is a conflict with what you're doing. What time are you doing that? Oh, we're supposed to start Saturday morning. I said, oh, yeah, me too. Our bosses mm -hmm. hadn't talked to each other. So we went right. back from lunch and got our bosses in the same room and came up with a better <laughs> timing solution so that we weren't causing each other problems or otherwise we would have had a really bad weekend. Yeah. No, there's, yeah, like you said, there's that clash, isn't there? Like if you're, you know, you're in the workplace and you're in the office and the timing and things like that. And, and that's that communication, isn't it? And that communication's key, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, and and so that's you know one of the reasons I I spend a lot of time on LinkedIn. I I try and 
minimize it, uh, you know, in small chunks here and there, but just to touch bases with people and, and my network. And I've got other tools that I use to make sure that no part of my network gets uh, too, too far neglected. And mm -hmm. I can, you know, I can run reports off the database that I use and say, okay, who haven't I, who have, who do I owe a phone call to? And it's yeah. not because I told you I'd call on this day. It's internally, I say, you know what? Adam's a good guy. We've got a lot in common. And I want to make sure I touch bases with him at least once a quarter. So yeah. we talk today. It'll get a database entry for today. And 90 days from today, it'll pop up on my contacts due list. Mm -hmm. So I can say, oh, yeah, I haven't talked to Adam in a while. Hey, I wonder how, how his podcast is going or you know, things like that. Yeah, yeah. No, that's, that's awesome. And I think that, that, it, I think that requires like a lot of self-discipline in some way, doesn't it, as well, to stay organized and keep up to date with what you're doing as well. And I think that's like, you know, one of the good things, like you said, about working at home is that you could have your own office. You could organize everything together. And um, so, so like in, in your work, I, I looked in your profile and you, you've done lots of the different things, um, but you specialize in like the field of technology. And yeah. is it helping businesses with their, um, with techno through technology? Exactly. My, my focus is on, you know, I love technology. I'm, I'm as nerdy and geeky as, uh, as they come. And I, I love talking <laughs> and hearing about the, the latest, greatest uh, technology. But where I really come alive is when I find ways that that technology can help a business. Uh, technology for technology's sake is fun, but it doesn't, it, you're not going to uh, help a business grow with that. But when you can tell a business like a product that I, I work for now, we can help protect a business against ransomware. And that really makes businesses come alive. That, they don't care about the technology and the names and everything behind the scenes. But when I'm talking to a CFO or a director of IT, and I explain to him in, in detail how ransomware happens, how he could get infected, and what our solution could do to pro protect him from that, should that happen, uh, he goes, okay, where do I sign? Uh, because mm -hmm. that, now it's not, he's not buying technology, he's buying a solution. Mm. And whatever, whatever technology I work with, that's my goal is I don't want to work with the technology that I can't apply or find an application for a business. Mm. So, so that ransom, well, you said that ransomware, so you mean like, like uh, cyber attacks to protect their uh, information and identity and... Well, yeah, uh, the way rans ransomware works is a, uh, a hacker will gain control of a company's servers, for example. And what they do is they will tell you for however many Bitcoin, they will release it to you. And usually they'll lock it for a, minute, uh, a half hour or something just to prove that they have control over it. At which point you have to decide, do I pay them? millions of dollars or millions of pounds or something um, or do I just unplug all my systems reformat and start over as if I had a brand new environment usually what companies will do is say okay we, we're good companies we take backups how long have we been infected so they do the research and they they think okay you know what I think we got infected on Thursday all right let's take Wednesday's backup and restore that Right. Now the ransomware doesn't have a control. The problem is that for a lot of companies, doing a restore of a system, even of one particular system, can take hours or in some cases days. 
just because of the time that it takes to, um, if they're backing up to tape still, that's a very slow process and, and they have to get a lot of work done. So what we can do is help do that in minutes instead of hours. And so it doesn't matter how big your system is, we can, so if you say, well, I think we were okay yesterday, it only takes you a few minutes to try. And if you look and you say, no, we're still infected, well, let's go back to Tuesday. Oh, wait, let's go back to Monday. You could, even if you have to go back a week and you lose a week's worth of data, that's still better than having a complete, complete wipe of your system or being out, out of pocket millions of dollars with no guarantee that they will release you. crazy like how so so would people people who do this does is this like um groups of people would you say or can like somebody learn it themselves how to do it and just go ahead and try and hack is it usually is it usually teams that operate together if that makes sense like groups of people that try and yeah i i haven't had any direct interaction on on that end of things with the ransomware uh criminals, I'll call them what it is, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. but it, it can be anything from a uh, teenage, uh, they call them script kiddies, um, you know, just a kid yeah. that has a, uh, finds a script to, to do this um, on, the, on the dark web, and, yeah. you know, they, they hack their school's computer to up their, increase their grades, um, all the way up to uh, organized crime in, in uh, 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 Europe or, or Asia, yeah. Uh, yeah. trying to control elections, for example. Yeah. Gosh. Yeah, there's there's so much to technology. It's quite quite fascinating, isn't it? Like you said, they've got like the normal internet. There's the deep web, and you've got the dark web. And half half, I think I saw some crazy statistics, and it said like we use I think like the normal internet on the surface, and that's like a couple percent. And then you've got all this other data below that you you don't see any any of that. You don't see mm -hmm. it. Yeah, it's uh, it it goes it goes way down. It's like like an iceberg. Uh, what, what we know about um, without doing a little bit of digging and and it gets it gets scary real quick yeah I've, I've seen stories on YouTube um, about people's experiences and I'm like well it's a bit like you shouldn't really play around with something you don't quite understand do you because someone said you don't access access the dark web the dark web accesses you or something like that <laughs> yeah yeah there's, there's definitely some risks involved in that because mm. I think, um, like you said, with with technology and businesses, um, you know, you, there must be so much, uh, so much money and time probably has to go into businesses researching and trying to get the best software to protect their business. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, uh, I worked. I, I, I worked for one company in the uh, financial sector. And obviously finances is a kind of a, a critical deal when you're talking about money transfers and things like that. They actually had a whole department of people that were continuously trying to hack their own systems from the outside. So oh, wow. they, and, and they were really good. They're, they're called white hat hackers. Uh, they're hacking for good. And there's, um, there's the big uh, uh, black hat uh, conference. Uh, well, typically it's in person in, in Vegas uh, and they actually have competitions there. And this company, their team, their uh, team of their employees that had gone to black hat had come in either first or second place uh, like three or four years in a row. 
Um, just that's all they did. I mean, can, your job to, is to go into work every day and try and get into a system of your employer without using anything your employer gave you. Wow. So, so they just and try and try and so. find different ways, whether that's sending email to uh, people, I would at least once a month, I would get an email that if I wasn't paying attention, I might accidentally click on it. And um, that was not, you know, and usually that what, what would happen because once or twice they did catch me off guard and um, the name sounded familiar. And I'm like, Oh, yeah, that's Bob over in security click. Oh, no, I should have looked a little more closely because the last name was spelled wrong and it was a different email address. And, you know, mm -hmm. you, you know, so they were doing things like that. But when, when they, when that happened, part of that edu was education of, of the users of the company to know what to look for, because that, when that happened, it would pop up and say, busted, you weren't paying enough attention. You need to pay more attention to your email when you're reading. Mm. Um, this could have been a hacker. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I got hacked. Um, few years ago, I um, got an email and I was sorting out my tax for my um, you know, tax rebate where you reclaim, you get money reimbursed for overpay, mm -hmm. if you overpay tax. Right. And I was sorting out around that same time and I got an email and it said HM Revenue Customs, which is the, uh, our, our government side that sort all the finance out. And it said, oh, you're entitled to a tax reimbursed of like, I think, £700. And I was like, oh, okay, that looks legit. So I put in my details and pressed enter. And I think I had like a thousand pounds go on my account within like the next day. And then I was then overdrawn and then the banks couldn't really do much other than block my account. Um, but I, I ended up getting the money back within a couple of months. But um, yeah, you've just got to keep an eye out and be very aware what you, what you, what you press and what you access. Yep, Easy as yep, that. I Exactly. I mean, and I've, I don't, you may have seen, I, I do a lot of traveling um, as well. Yeah. And so that, that adds a, a huge factor. I was uh, in Africa, uh, I was in Nigeria for, uh, for work and I landed and was having dinner with some colleagues and several of my uh, uh, colleagues, I, I was working for IBM at the time, several of my IBM colleagues told me um, separately don't don't use a credit card when you're here don't use a credit card when you're here well if you do use a credit card use a corporate card because they can fight it better and uh they, they were warning and they uh, one, one person told me of uh of a manager and his first trip to nigeria he used his uh a debit card a bank card um mm. at at the airport to buy coffee by the time he got to his hotel and that was his first stop. He already had a message. He logged in to check his email when he got to his hotel. And he had a message from his bank saying, your, your account is at zero balance. Wow. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> so that, wow. you know, you, you, when, you, when you travel, you need to really have, uh, have your radar on no matter where in the world you are because things operate differently. A lot of places in Latin America... Yeah, uh, in, in the U.S., when you're paying a check at at a at a restaurant or something, it's you don't think twice about putting your credit card in the little folder, and the server carries it to the back room and comes back, and you sign it and put your card back in your wallet and leave. Um, and and a lot of places in Latin America, they're so conditioned to not let the card out of your sight that when you want to pay by credit card, they go get a portable machine, bring it over to your table, you hand them the card, they run it through the machine, and hand the card right back to you. So the card never leaves your sight. 
which is which well, is a good thing, I think. Yeah, yeah. I, I I've worked in I've worked in hospitality industry for a while, like in hotels and restaurants, and yeah, I've I've had um, people go like this. You know, they're having a meal with the family, and they just they've had a few drinks, and they can go, yeah, here you go. And sometimes they they pass me their wallet, and they're like, you know, you just get it out, and I'm like, you know. Oh, they pass me that for some of the cards, and like, oh yeah, just give it us back when you when you finish. And I'm like, sir, this is I can't, you know, this, <laughs> you know, it's yeah, it's. Uh, <clears throat> I think that's a really that's how it should be, really, because you kind of see what's going on. Yeah, but <clears throat> again, combining the the two things, travel and technology, a lot of your bank cards uh, now you can set up for alerting. And I've got a couple cards that will alert me every time a charge goes through. So whether it's $7 at Starbucks or uh, $2,000 at Best Buy, um, yeah. I'll get a, a text message saying your, your American Express was just used at this location for this amount, which is really handy when I have a, that card for uh, like Amazon and things like that. And I've got recurring things that I, that I, that, I order, I'm like, $12, what? Oh, that's right, this is coming in, you know? So I, it, yeah. it helps me not forget about the recurring Netflix subscriptions and things like that, that you, yeah. you can forget about. Yeah, no, I agree. I think they're getting better with like online banking. I, I use online banking and I can check what, what's going in and what's going out. But sometimes I've had random transactions go out and I'm like, it's got like a random name on it. And I'm like, I didn't really have that go out. So I had to report it, but it just makes, you know, we, it's something that we kind of probably don't think about. It's so easy probably not to think about. Whereas I think 21st century and the way things are, it's probably one of the first things you should think about where your money's going and what you're, how you're paying with things. Um, I, I had it, I found that there's a, like a kind of loophole with like Amazon. If you buy some things on Amazon, there are third party companies. And if you're trying to get your money back, the company saying, oh, it's not our problem, problem, it's Amazon. And they kind of refer the problem to them and you're trying to get this refund and this money. And you just don't know who, you, who you're paying sometimes. Yeah, there's, there's things that show up on Amazon Marketplace that aren't Amazon. And you're buying it, it charges going through Amazon's systems, but it's... Uh, so somebody down the street or across the country. I mean, there's, there's things, things I've ordered on Amazon that I didn't realize I wasn't ordering from Amazon until I saw the charge on my bank account that was from uh, so, uh, so, some oriental sounding name. And it turns out I ordered a, a webcam from China. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, actually, I don't know. Is the quality pretty good? I think mean, you can see me. <laughs> that's uh, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, what yeah. I'm using. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can see you fine. But no, it's uh, it does blow your mind sometimes. I mean, my mom orders on Amazon, and I, she she ordered a like a kind of gazebo thing for the garden. Mm-hmm. And when she ordered it, it arrived, and there was no, they didn't they didn't send any any bolts with the screws, and they didn't really send any instructions either. And they sent instructions in an email which weren't very clear. And I'm like, you know, who did you buy this? You know, she was like, I bought it on Amazon. I was like, yeah, but. Is it Amazon or is it someone yeah, in mm-hmm. the middle between? But yeah, it's it's uh, it's so important to be aware of these things. I think, and um, yeah, I think I think like sometimes you have to have your hand kind of bit 
to kind of like realize, oh, I need to be more aware next time. Yeah, that's uh, that's part part of the lessons of life is uh, you, you don't you you don't pay attention to some things until you get bit by them, and then you remember those lessons. Your mm. your parents could tell you watch out for this or pay attention to this a hundred times, but until the first time it actually hurts you, uh, you're going to start paying attention more. Yeah, yeah, I definitely agree. Um, yeah, I saw that you you got your new book out recently. Yeah. Yep. Um, which looks really awesome. Yeah, yeah. It's a surviving business chop. Yep, it's a little little new take on uh, on that on how I what I wrote there be, uh, with COVID because that's uh, mm. that's changing a lot of things. But yeah, really, my my goal was oh, you, you probably heard probably heard uh, people say, uh, "Oh, I wish I could travel as much as you do because I'd love to be able to travel and and have my company pay for it." And, mm. you know, I was not more than once I'd be talking with somebody and, and one person would say, Oh, you're so lucky. And somebody else would jump in and say, Oh no, business travel isn't that great. And mm. so <clears throat> I really wrote this book for both of those people. Uh, usually the younger people have, that haven't done much business travel that are still excited about it and or excited about the possibility of doing it. <clears throat> and the, the more grizzled veterans who have been burned out, excuse me, um, on, on, on business travel and, and tired of it. Mm. And if both of those people can learn something, you know, the, the burned out person can find some ways to re-energize their business travel and get more, uh, more, more enjoyment out of it. And the person who hasn't started business travel yet can really maximize uh, their, the benefits that you can get from business travel, you know, the points, the miles, the, the status and loyalty programs and things like that. And at the same time, learn the lessons, hopefully in advance, of not getting burnt out. Uh, because mm. it's much more fun to do something you, you, you wanted to do, you do it and you enjoy it, and not get burned out on it. Uh, whereas mm. if you just jump in with both feet and not, not paying any attention to the fact that it might not be fun after a while, you get burned out on it and then you don't like it, it would be much better if you just jump in with your eyes wide open and learn to do a few things from the beginning that keep things on a more even keel. Mm. Yeah. I think, uh, like you said, with business traveling, like you said, if you don't enjoy something and you've got to travel to all these different places, you don't enjoy that job or something you don't like. I mean, I, I, I couldn't imagine. I mean, if, if someone said to me, tomorrow you're going to, um, I don't know, like California, and it's this long of a flight, and you've got to do two meetings, three meetings, and you don't like that job, and you're traveling all that time and all that energy. Um, it's difficult. And like you said, it would burn you out, wouldn't it? Like, Yeah. Well, mo most of the time, the people I talk to, like their work, they just, the business travel wears them down. Hmm. <clears throat> like, uh, I mean... For for years, I had I had a lot of international uh, uh, trips where you know I I was in uh, I flew over to London for for meetings on Tuesday. <clears throat> uh, Tuesday after our meetings, we um, flew flew to no actually it was the next morning we flew uh, to Dublin, and had some meetings um, uh, late morning or after, early afternoon there, and then a day later I flew back to the to the U.S. It was a, a long trip in a short time. And you know, three to six hours worth of meetings in each in each uh, city, it uh, it can wear you out. Even if you enjoy, and most people enjoy the work part of it, 
or they wouldn't be in that career to begin with. <clears throat> you know, for, for example, for me, I, I, usually that involves sitting with, uh, in a room with other technology-minded people or business people who are interested in what technology can do for them. Mm. And <clears throat> so I enjoy that. <clears throat> and I just happen to also enjoy the, the travel. <clears throat> but if I didn't enjoy the travel, I wouldn't enjoy the work. So yeah. with, some, with some thought and consideration that I've got some tips and suggestions in, in the book to help people approach that in a better way. And then they can enjoy the work. And even if they don't like to travel, they can get more out of it and actually find better ways to, to tolerate it, find better ways to adjust to it and deal with it. Hmm. No, I think that's a really good, I think that's a really good thing you've done. And, uh, you know, by making that book and I think it's like you said, something that people need who are traveling, you know, for likes of business and, uh, you know, to try and help them break the ice and not get too burnt out and stressed. I think, you know, like, and that, that will assist people in doing that job or doing, you know, going to that meeting. Cause like you said, like, you know, three different time, you know, those different time zones within a short space of time. Yeah. And that, that actually wasn't my, my toughest trip. I mean, I had a, a three week trip where I was in five different countries in Asia I had, I had no meetings in the same time zone. So I went, I was <laughs> everywhere from South Korea to India, to Australia, to uh, Singapore and Thailand wow. <laughs> in, within wow. three weeks. <clears throat> Gosh. So yeah, I, I left the US on Tuesday early morning and I landed in Bangkok Thursday night. <clears throat> wow. That was the kickoff for my trip. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What an amazing experience, though, as well. I mean, with that, I mean, probably as well with that, you're seeing all these different cultures and ways that people live in these different places. I mean, that must be a perk in some aspect. You know, you're seeing lots of different places and probably some places that people don't get the opportunity to see. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, <clears throat> I'm just grateful that I, that I managed to find the time and, and work the time schedule in to be able to take a little bit of time to do some sightseeing. But I had, I, I traveled to Peru uh, probably five or six times now. At least three of those times I was in the country for less than 24 hours. <clears throat> Just because wow. of my trip schedule was usually involved uh, uh, spending a day in Peru so yeah, I'd, yeah. I'd fly in the red, the flight I took got me in at red eyes. So I'd get in there at midnight or 1am and I would sleep for a couple hours, get up, go to the meetings for all day, go back to the hotel, grab my suitcase, uh, grab a bite to eat on the way back to the airport and catch the next red eye flight to, to the next country on my trip, uh, on my trip. So, uh, you know, I got, so, but even in those trips, I managed to find a couple hours, you know, I'm going to eat anyway. I can either go to the airport early and eat at the, eat at a hotel, at a restaurant at the, at the airport, or mm. I can leave my bags at the, at the bellhop at the, at the hotel and mm. ask the concierge, what's the best typical Peruvian place I can eat around here? And he says, oh, how long do you have? Well, I've got two hours before I need to head to the airport. He's like, okay, well, you go down here and take a left. There's this little dive bar. And my friend Jose runs the place. Tell him I sent you. And, and you have just the most amazing time. It, it's mm. just you get the best food. It's, a, it's like your long lost family member because somebody referred you there and you mentioned their name and they're actually good friends or cousins. And 
you know, you actually experience more of the culture than you would if you just walk in and order off a menu. Mm -hmm. So that's the yeah. little things that you can do to get more connection with the culture instead of just trying the food, you know, meet the people, try the food all as part of one package, then you're getting a, a whole different uh, taste of, of mm. the country. Mm. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, it's so important to travel, isn't it? Like, I, I've been to a few places. I went to uh, New York, New York last January, my friend, and that was amazing for four or five days we went. And, um, yeah, like you said, to, to see different cultures and see how things work. It, it, you know, I think you grow as a person in some way. Definitely. Yeah. I think it makes you think as well when you travel, doesn't it? Yeah, I, I was actually raised in, uh, in another country. So I, I grew up, um, part of my growing up was here in the U.S. and part of it was in Ecuador. So oh, wow. I, I, I grew up multicultural. So my mindset has always been understanding different people, different cultures, better than than other people at times just because that's i was raised in, differently so i know you know what it what it's like to not fit in you know when you know my, my first day of third grade i was taller than everybody in my grade school i stood out like a sore thumb i was the only person that didn't have jet black hair and i didn't speak a word of spanish <clears throat> so my my mom was my mom said she she said I'll stay right outside your classroom and if you have a question just raise your hand the teacher will nod at you and and point to you and you can come out and ask me your question and so first recess you know third grader I'm in a new country I don't speak a word of the language I'm I'm standing there next to my mom just crying because I I don't know how I'm gonna f figure this stuff out and one of one of my classmates came up and asked my mom he said um, is is your son retarded. And my mom said, what? And, and he said, yeah, is he mentally retarded? And she said, no, why, why would you ask that? He said, well, he's taller than us, so he must be older. He doesn't, he, he doesn't speak Spanish, he doesn't read Spanish, and he doesn't speak, or doesn't read, speak, or, or, or understand Spanish. Yeah. <clears throat> that, well, third grade logic, that was made, made a lot of sense. Yeah. And she's like, no, actually in our country, a lot of people are a lot taller first of all. Mm. And in, in our language, he's actually a very good reader. He reads at like an advanced level because I was reading at sixth grade level when I was in third grade. Mm. And uh, she said, now imagine, and she tell, tells this little boy, um, imagine if tomorrow you came to our country where er nobody spoke Spanish and everybody, yeah. nobody looked like you. How, how would you feel? And he said, oh, I'd be scared. So he put his arm around me and said, soy Juan. Quiero ser tu amigo. And he told my mom to translate. And she said, his, his name is John, Juan, and he wants to be your friend. And that was my, my first friend. And, you know, two weeks later, I was correcting my parents' Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So, yes. you know, when, when you have that kind of immersion, you know how it feels to feel different. Yeah. And, and you also understand how it feels to be accepted, even though you're different. And so that's why, you know, inclusiveness and, and acceptance is just kind of a part of my core values of what, you know, I, I don't care what your background is. I'm going to accept you based on who you are and <clears throat> not what you look like or, or what language you speak. Yeah. Gosh. Yeah. No, I, I completely agree. And I think like that experience, you know, going to a different country, and like you said, not knowing how to speak or, you know, like, 
because of that language barrier and that culture and like you said the size of how you know what you were compared to them like you you felt like you know they don't belong here but then again on the flip side he he would feel the same and they would feel the same you know if they went to like america or somewhere else mm-hmm. what was it that kind of um took you there was it like your parents like was it your parents working over there or? yeah my my parents were missionaries so we uh, we moved down there uh, uh, before I started third grade, and third grade came around, and so it was time for school. Yeah, yeah. How long was you there, sorry? <clears throat> uh, total of ten years. Uh, we came back to the states for one year. My sixth grade was uh, was back in the U.S. And you know, it's kind of funny because a lot of people have this vision in their mind of some countries being third world countries and maybe not as good of an education. When we came back for sixth grade, I had to take t- uh, standardized tests to make sure that, that that I could be in sixth grade. They wanted, they didn't want me uh, uh, to hold, be held back in the class. So I took all their tests. And if you scored a 5.9 or better, you were ready for sixth grade. I scored a, above a seven on all of my subjects except for English. <laughs> Which makes sense because English was a kind of a special, we had a, I had a special tutor for English grammar and literature and things like that. But I scored a 6.9, which basically meant I was ready for seventh grade educationally when I, when I started sixth grade in the U.S. Wow. So I had, I had a better education, I feel, down there than I would have in, in the U.S. Gosh. That's, makes you think, doesn't it? How, how do you... <laughs> and, and, and it's a whole different system down there too because you know in the US at least it's a very textbook heavy educational system hmm. you have a textbook and you read it and then you, you have a teacher lectures about it and you may have some class discussion about it and down there you had the same lecture and discussion about things but it would alternate and the first, there would be two hour, two classes on a on a given topic, and the first hour was dictation, and the teacher would talk slowly, and your goal as a student was to write it down as fast as you could to keep up with him, so you were wow. basically writing your own textbook as you went. Jeez. And then your home part of your homework was to transcribe that into more legible copy in your subject book. And then you would be ready for the, the class when he would discuss and he'd say, oh, what year did this happen? Okay, and wh- why was that important? And, and so because you now have written it twice, mm. you, you, you kind of absorbed a little bit more than you would have if you just read it and kind of in one ear out, in your eyes, out your ears, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I think that's, that's a much better way to learn, I find, if... Because then again, it's up to you, isn't it? You're writing it down. And I think through writing things down, you take it in more. I found if I write notes or if I read something, um, you write it down and you absorb it. And like, you know, through that repetition, rather like you said, in the way that a lot of other schools operate, especially when I was at school, like you said, teachers read off something, you're sat there, you listen to it, and half of it goes in and then the other half goes out. And then I think you, you end up, unless you take notes or you work on it, you, 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 I remember having school days and having all these subjects and then afterwards I'm like, what did I learn today? And I'm like thinking I've had, <laughs> so. 
One of one of the people I, I like to follow online, and um, I've taken a couple of his uh, classes, is uh, I don't know if you've heard of Jim Quick, yes, K W I K. Um, you know, one of the things he talks about is note making, not note taking. And if you just try, when you take most people when they take notes, try and capture exactly what was said or the the information that was conveyed. When and that's part of it. There's some important factors that you need to write down to, to help you remember that. But he divides the page in half. And on the other side, he, he says to use it for note making, and basically make notes about how did that make you feel? What, what, how could you use that? And things like that, as you're, you know, be questioning. Um, and as you go and making writing down things like that. So you're engaging mm -hmm. both halves of your brain. Mm -hmm. And you get more uh, retention that way. Yeah. Because I think if you like, you mix emotion with something, you remember a lot better, don't you? Like, like if experiences, whether that's positive or negative, they stand out more. Exactly. Yeah. He's, he says all, all learning is state dependent. If, if you're sitting in your calculus class and you're bored and you're tired and you're not really all there, you're not going to remember much of it. But if you go in there and say, oh, if I learn this part of calculus, I'm going to be able to use it for my dream job of whatever. Mm -hmm then you're excited to be there. You don't have to be there. That's it, why people enjoy elective classes at the university so much more sometimes than the mandatory classes. You have mm -hmm. to take a history class. I really don't care what date this happened because mm -hmm. I just have to take that class. Whereas yeah. if you're a history major, that's your choice. You're choosing that. That's what makes you come alive. You're going to remember that stuff better. Yeah makes you makes you realize isn't it like you know why you know like, like like the school system people going to school they're being told information that like you said they're not unless they're interested in it then they'll absorb it whereas if it's like you know you have to do this you have to do this mm -hmm. oh, okay yeah no i yeah I, I think education is very important um and i think you know if you really like something then pursue it because i saw that you um your master's in, you got a master's in um, business. Global management. Global management, yeah. Yep. So what, is, what does that involve in, or was that was in some way? Well, the, the, the coursework was, was amazing because I've been, you know, having been raised uh, in another country, so I, and having traveled into over 25 countries, I had a, I, I thought I had a pretty good grip on what the world looks like and how the world world operates in different places and i did but what the what the some of the coursework gave me talking about different cultures is understanding at a more intellectual and, and formalized way the things i already knew mm -hmm. and i i knew things in a certain way like i'll give you an example i i went to uh um you know different countries have different impact on our uh, uh different uh, uh weight to relationships yeah, you know, and in the U.S., business is business. You know, you walk in, and if I if I ask you too many questions about your personal life before we start talking business, you look at me kind of funny because you know you're wasting my time. This is a business mm -hmm. meeting. The, you know what? How my dog's doing doesn't really matter. Uh, <laughs> but in a lot of Latin America, they are a lot more uh, social, social and relationship driven. 
So I, I was in, um, in one country and, and I was going, going with a, a sales guy down there to visit a customer. And the meeting was at five o'clock in the afternoon. And I said, so how, what's a normal working day here? He said, oh, usually people are done by four or five in the afternoon. I said, so is this after hours meeting? He said, yeah, they agreed to take this meeting because here, you're here in town and they wanted to, to meet you and hear what you have to say. So it, it's really more of a favor, a favor for, for me to, for them to accept my meeting. And so we sat down and they offered us coffee. And since the sales guy I was with said, yes, please. And I said, yes, please. So I'm having coffee at 5 p.m. in the afternoon in a meeting in an office that's almost empty because most of the people in the office had gone home already. And I'm meeting with the manager and, and we spent 10 or 15 minutes chatting. You know, what do, what do I think about Buenos Aires? How long have I been here? Um, you know, where else have I been? Where did I grow up? Where did I learn Spanish? You know, we spent 15 minutes talking. Uh, before we said, oh, you know what? It is after after hours. I don't want. We don't want to take up too much of your time. Let's talk about the reason we you 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 agreed to meet with us. And he said, okay. Mm-hmm. And he was very open to that meeting, uh, mm-hmm. but he wasn't open to it just because I had a great product and he, his business needed it. He was open to that meeting because of the relationship he had with with the sales rep. And it's a whole different approach to business depending on what part of the world you're doing business Hmm. and so a lot of the the curriculum in my the master's program i took um, helped understand that um, helped understand how businesses operate differently because of that wow gosh one experience that's amazing um i've watched like uh you ever seen the apprentice I watched a few episodes, yeah. Uh, and it reminded me what you said about uh, relationships and business meetings. I find like I'm I'm quite empathic and I, I, I'm very sociable and I, I like to touch base with people. And I think like you said, in business, there's that very kind of, I mean, it is corporate, but there's that very, the business is business. Or there's that side where, how are you doing? You know, where you're, get, you're building that rapport and that relationship and you're just touching base. I, I, I think, in my mind, that's quite key because you're connecting with that person, you're gaining that relationship, you know, you're talking about, you know, like you said, culture or how, where they're from, and then you talk about business. And I think it, like, do you think, do you think that can like break the ice a little bit and make that relationship a bit better, where some people don't have that, and it's like I don't, you know, don't care, just get to. Yeah, that, I, I just uh, participated in a, uh, a mastermind um, uh, where we were uh, reviewing a, a John Maxwell book, Everyone Communicates, Few Connect. And that was one of the things that we, we talked about was ways that you can do more than just communicate. If I walk into a meeting and I, ha- I have my agenda and I sit down and say, hi, Adam, I'm here because I want to tell you about this and here's why it can help your business. Okay, we're not going to connect. If I walk into a meeting and say, hey, Adam, how are you doing? Hey, I heard you were on holiday in New York last year. How, what did you think of that? You know, my, I still remember my first trip to New York. It was amazing. You know, those tall buildings. And I felt, you know, we yeah. connected more over that shared experience of talking about our first trips to New York. Yeah. Um, and, and that's a connection that then when we move to the next phase of the conversation and start talking about business, now you're not, now it's not just cold, hard facts. It's 
a relationship and you know, I wouldn't be telling you about this if I didn't think it would help you. Mm. And you're going to say, okay, I get that. Um, so that's such a huge part of, you know, all, all business, you know, mm. what are, what are your favorite restaurants? Your favorite restaurants are the ones where the, the, the servers are friendly and, you know, remember you, you know, mm. you, you may only go there once every couple of months. There's a, a steakhouse my wife and I love, but the manager comes over to our table and says, Oh, so good to see you guys again. Mm. You know, he may or may not remember my name, but I think he does. But, you know, we only go there, you know, every couple of months. Um, mm. But yet we get wa welcomed warmly as if we're in there every night. Mm. You know, that's one of our favorite places because of that. Mm. So it's that relationship. It's not just here's your food. You yeah. Know, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, McDonald's, uh, you know, fast food, drive through. Okay. That's just something convenient to, to fill your stomach if you're, if you're in a hurry. Yeah. You know, so. I think, like you said, if, if people go that extra mile, you're more likely to return. Um, I think, like you said, it depends. It is the drive through It is what it is. But, like, mm -hmm. I think that's why, you know, a lot of, a lot of companies, um, why empathy is important, isn't it? Empathy and understanding people. Um, there's, like, you know, I know that, you know, business meetings and, you know, like, that's corporate and that's part of yeah so you have i think i think like i said i think there's a time and a place isn't it but if you can just break the ice and be kind then and then then go into business i think it just it's more balanced yep yep absolutely well just looking at the time i uh, oh, right. i, I yeah. know i have something at the at the top of the hour and don't want to take oh, yeah, up uh, all of your day yeah 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 no of course that's all right. i could I could talk all day too. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I enjoy it as well. Yeah, but um, but no, Stephen, it's, it's it's been an absolute uh, pleasure having you on the podcast, and um, it really, really means a lot. And I, I um, all wish you all the best with your book as well. All right, um, and just if you'd like, uh, I'd be happy to uh, send you a a coupon code if you want to put in the show notes a uh, a link for your customers and your listeners yeah, yeah. if they want to uh, get get uh, some some percentage off the the sale i would be happy to do that yeah 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 of course i'll be i'll be happy to all right i will shoot you a message with that yeah sure thank you Stephen. all right, all right adam great talking to you. you you too take care you too all the best bye bye, -bye.